Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Forget that moment where you feel like you're gonna burp and then it just sort of sits there in your stomach like Ugh. Oh, it's the fucking worst. Cause I, f- I feel like I'm gonna burp. <laughs> I'm trying to not do it while I'm gonna like do my intro. But here we are. It. And welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini soda where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth, and this week we are talking South by Southwest, baby! We are both covering the festival virtually this year, and so we are going to talk about what we've been watching. (laughs) (laughs) The air horns burped you. It did. It's (laughs) it's like a little baby, you know, pat in the back. Air horns, bow, 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 bow. I don't even know what to say to that. We're doing great. Here we are. We are watching a lot of movies. Um, not nearly as much as Sundance. Not nearly as much God. as I wanted to, but yeah. Um, you know, but still, we are watching some good fucking movies. I will say, I have been pleasantly surprised that I've seen consistently really liked every movie I've watched. I have not seen a stinker so far. I, there have been some that um, are like just fine for me and there's one that um is that will be that i'll definitely be talking about that is very well made but is the worst experience i've ever had watching a film (laughs) but yeah i've been this is a a really solid slate this year i would say 
overall. I agree. Especially like for the Midnighters and the horror stuff. I haven't really watched anything that's not genre this year. No, I haven't had time either. I didn't take any leave yeah, at this time, time. So it's like whatever I can Mm-mm. sneak in. I've been watching. Yeah. So I the genre stuff that like the Midnighters and some of the stuff that isn't technically a Midnighter, but is horror. Mm. Um, there's been some really good shit. So what has been your favorite of the fest? Maybe we could start there. So my favorite of the fest so far, which will be surprising to literally no one is Deadstream. Surprise. That's also my favorite of the fest. <laughs> I'm smiling very big listeners. This is not a visual medium, but <laughs> incredibly incredibly impressed with this movie that follows a disgraced YouTuber who goes to a haunted house to kind of bring back his reputation of doing weird stunts. And lo and behold, this house is haunted by one angry bitch who also wants clout. And it's incredible. Like, I think what's so impressive about this movie is it creates a tone that I haven't seen in found footage before Mm. in terms of striking a really good balance between like like satirizing influencers, because that's a huge theme, I think, in Sundance this year and in a lot of festivals Mm, is like mm -hmm. kind of critiquing influencer culture or like looking at influencer culture. This movie does a really good job, I think, like making fun of it. But not to a cringy point in terms of like ridicule. I think it just does a really good job about making Sean annoying and like an anti hero, but not to the point that he's just like cringe, cringe, cringe. Because I think it really could have gone into cringe territory very easily. Mm-hmm. And also, it's just like fucking Evil Dead creature yeah. weirdness. And it's incredible. There's at one point there's a shot that's like straight out of Evil Dead where she's like he he moves a sheet and like she's in his crotch and bites his crotch he just and bites I'm his like, dick. Yes. So I loved it. I think it shows everybody the found footage genre is alive and well, and there's mm. some really cool shit you can do with it, and that makes me very happy. Yeah, this was one of the mo- more inventive uses of found footage that I've I've seen, and it, it's funny because it does a lot of things that that you'd expect from the subgenre, where you know it, it sets up where he's he's establishing cameras all over the place, where it's like okay, we're, we're so we're going to get a little bit of like a paranormal activity vibe, where it's like there's cameras like and it's going to pick up things hmm. So we have a little bit of that. We have, um, you know, him with having like the GoPro attached to his forehead and a face cam so we can see like all of his reactions as well as like. So there's like a lot of that kind of stuff where it's 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 hitting notes that I would expect to see. But then it does some very incredibly inventive things with it. And some of it is really kind of um, I would say silly. It like there's a there's a moment. One of this one of the gags running gags is that he has like this iPad where he keeps adding cameras to it. And at one point he adds a beef camera because he's made a camera out of a slim gym and his camera and it's it's hilarious i just spear cam (laughs) spear cam that moment one of my favorites so i don't want to spoil it but one of my favorites the way they use cameras in this is one of my favorite moments of this but what also like immediately grabbed my attention is that as someone who had surprisingly been involved well been involved been a, a watcher of a lot of youtube personalities at a at a certain time to see the kind of cycle that he goes through it nails that sort of like influencer culture uh, youtube culture where you know you have like a controversial figure who does things that are 
aren't necessarily good or ethical, but gets a lot of views because he's wild and wacky and he's paying a, a homeless person to fight him. Like, this is the kind of stuff that he was doing. And then he loses his clout. And what does he do? He makes that apology video. Wham, I'm so sorry. Blah, 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 blah. Don't leave me sponsors. So the, the cycle that he goes through up until this moment, this movie, felt very authentic to the point that, like, I almost expected him to be an actual internet personality that was really on the internet like it really nails that authenticity that i think a lot of fan footage films uh strive to 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 get i agree 100 percent. there's like a sincerity to his performance like mm. like you know he's performing but there's a sincerity in that performance because you know like it's like the youtube thing it's like mm-hmm. weirdly sincere but it's a performance at the same time and it's this weird thing thing that it's like kind of hard to navigate as a person consuming YouTube content. And so they really do capture that like very well. And like, the movie isn't afraid to be silly, but it's also not afraid to be creepy and gross. And mm. I really think they struck like this incredible balance between the horror and the comedy to make it really fun and silly, but scary at the same time, which I think it's really fucking hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's one jump out gag that like got me, had me jump and like almost throw my my laptop on the ground. Like I just it strikes that balance. It's it's so it's just so much fun. And the creature design. Mm. I was not expecting some of the like weird design you see in this movie. It's real good. So it it to me is the best midnight. Like you only see like the, them like briefly, yeah. And but it's like one of those like, what the fuck did I just see? Like what was that? What was that? It's incredible. So yeah, then that who picked? Did someone pick that up already? Did Shutter pick that up? I think Shutter. It feels like this should this would be like a home run for Shutter, but I'm not sure if it yeah. has been. I I think it's gotten picked up already because of course it did, and it got such good reviews. I'm pretty sure it got picked up. So look out for that one, y'all, because it's real good. But what about besides Deadstream? What other films have like really stuck out to you that you've seen? Well, okay, so this one—I I mean, Deadstream is probably my favorite, and this one isn't like my f- this. Uh, in order, this wouldn't be my next one, but I kind of want to talk about it because I feel like it's it's sort of digging into similar themes that that movie did. Because you were talking about how. Uh, like Sundance, um, the movies this year have really kind of uh, tackled influencer culture. And so another movie that I saw this year called Sissy. Have you, did you see that one? I did see Sissy. Also tackles influencer culture in a very interesting way that is both like being, poking some vicious like satire at it, but at the same time, not, I don't know, villainizing it to a certain degree because the, Yes. So it strikes this weird balance where the main character um, in Sissy is Cecilia, and she is. We get like a little bit of flashback of her as a kid where she was best friends with this girl named Emma, and they were BFFs, yada yada. Had all this like video of them, you know, doing stuff and made a time capsule and buried it and all this kind of thing. But there was a falling out at some point, and the movie kind of interjects these 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 flashbacks throughout it to kind of fill in what exactly happened but something happened they they stopped being friends and then in the present time uh cecilia runs into emma at a pharmacy and in a grocery store 
And um, all of a sudden, Emma's like, oh, my gosh, I'm getting engaged. It's a queer movie. So I love that aspect of it. And she wants her to go to her engagement party and get involved. And so against her kind of better judgment, she does. And she goes there. And unfortunately, the person that sort of put a wedge between them as kids is also there. And it kind of awakens up. Yeah. And it kind of awakens like the, the long simmering tensions between them. But the reason why it's it's this movie kind of reminds me a little bit of what Deadstream is doing is that Cecilia is an influencer. She is one of those kind of you see them all over YouTube, the sort of like self-help, the person that doesn't necessarily have a degree in psychology, but does all these things to like make people feel good about themselves and sort of tackle that aspect of it. And the way that she gets her own sense of like dopamine hit by looking at her followers and getting her followers that are like responding to her videos, like, yes, you're so wonderful. Yes, queen, that kind of stuff is giving her that dopamine fix that is fake fixing her. And when in reality, she really needs to go see someone to help because there's a lot of trauma there. But it's sort of like tackling this idea of like that fake kind of culture that is that you think might be give, doing you good, but at the same time is not actually fixing the core issues. And so there's that aspect of it. And then it turns into a slasher at some point. And I just I think this movie is a lot of fun. It is. And I also feel like what's really great about the slasher part is I feel like they kind of play with who, like, it's not until, I feel like they don't really, like, give you an answer, at least I was seeing it as, like, who the the bad guy is going to be, because it feels like every, like, there are three main women who I felt like could be, because I knew it was a slasher, I knew it was, like, a slasher, but I was like, could it, who out of these three women could it be? Because they kind of play with it. Like, who is going to be kind of the bad guy, I thought. And it, it obviously makes it sense at a point who, like, I kind of liked how they played with expectations a little bit. Like, you probably know who it is, but it could be this person. It was a lot of fun. And, again, there's, a, like, a, as a black woman in the center of the film, there's a queer couple. Oh, I think the entire engagement party is queer for the most part. Like, it's just, there's that's a lot true. of queer people. Oh, that's people. true, because then there's the, there's the, there's a, a queer guy and he's disabled mm-hmm. and he's on crutches. But it, it's like, this is the example of a movie where like, you can have all of these demographics and have it not be like a thing. Like you have mm-hmm. a queer couple and queer people and a disabled person. And, but they still like have cool story beats and like have these moments that aren't based around their like labels of who they are as people, like the labels that they put on ourselves. And it, so it was like a really great example of, that too like look you can have black queer people and not have it be like a thing you know yeah. what i mean mm, oh, like I do. you don't have to like draw a lot of attention to it and i love that the movie allows them to be messy because let's be honest a lot of the people oh, in this yeah. movie are kind of insufferable oh they all they all kind of suck and i i love i love that we can have that at this point where it's like we're not having like the the kind of I don't know, tokenism that we see a lot with like queer characters or like minority characters in movies where they they have to be like this sterling example of their whatever they are, um, you know, their their race or their their uh, their sexuality, whatever the case may be. We can have them be messy and have them be kind of insufferable people. And I, I love that this movie allows them the freedom to do that. Me too. And Shudder picked that one up. So that'll be out probably later this year hopefully yeah um what's another one that that you wanted to highlight so what i really wanted to highlight is called slashback um slashback is a first nations 
woman-directed film about a group of Inuk teenage girls who fight aliens. <laughs> and it's, I was saying to Terry before we started recording, like, if to think of, like, a movie comparison, it's kind of got Attack the Block vibes in terms of, like, a group of kids in a certain location are kind of tasked with fighting off, about, like, an evil force. And... There is some interesting stuff here also about, like, people on uh, First Nations land doing some fucked up shit and that awakens something in the land. And then these um, Inuk, like, this, this this village is called Pang. It's not solely Inuk people, but it's primarily. And what's great about this movie, though, is, like, there are a couple, there's some of their casualties, but it's not massacring the vi- like the village because all of the adults are at an event and all of the kids, like all of the kids are watched, like the older kids are watching the younger kids. So it's the little, it's like the younger girls against the aliens. And we don't see like a massacre of people. You just see a couple aliens and it's basically like the thing where they take over the body of a person. But instead of it being like, you don't know who's who, it's pretty obvious that the alien is trying to seem human, but the face is just not on correctly. So there's a lot of homages to the thing. And they even talk about the thing, which is great. And it's like these like 12, 13 year old girls who are just bad bitches who basically you and then at the like they kind of end up utilizing some of the tools that are from that are passed on through their family like these like heirlooms these these knives a harpoon and because a lot of the beginning is a, one of the main characters is trying to kind of is like shunning her inuit heritage because she's like this is fucking stupid i don't want to live here i don't care about being inuk i don't care about this and then she kind of learns to embrace it in a bad bitch way. And she also wears a really cool leather jacket from the last half of the movie. And in big letters in the back, it says, um, no justice on stolen land. And she wears that for like a good chunk of the movie. And it's very obvious. And I love like the very loud political statement this movie is making without beating you over the head with it. This is very much a movie that's like, look what you're fucking doing to First Nations people in Canada without it being preachy. Like it's a, it's first and foremost, a badass creature feature with some cool practical effects. It's low budget. So some of it's a little rougher on the edges, but the practical effects are really cool. Like for what it is, like it's, they're rad. And then some of the, um, the actors are a little stiff, but they're all like first time actors. They're all kids. So I can't fault them for that, but they, they're really good as a group of friends together and so i think i wanted to highlight it because like we don't have movies a lot of movies like this we have like zero movies like this and so like blood quantum came out a couple years ago that was like a zombie indigenous movie and this one is basically first nations inuit alien movie and it's awesome and it interweaves their culture with the alien movie which is again like speaking to the the cultural influences without it like feeling like a movie that's just about that. And it's really cool to see like these and like another movie I saw that has similar, similar vibes in terms of like taking expect expected genre tropes and um, putting them in a context we don't see is bitch ass. I'm not going to talk a lot about it, but it's, it's basically a black slasher movie with a black villain, all black cast in a black neighborhood. It's like tales from the hood it's got like Tales from the Hood was a huge inspiration. And I, again, rough around the edges in terms of like low budget, but still really good. So it's like South by South by has gotten like a 
banger roster this year in terms of bringing in creators that are queer, that are black, that are First Nations. It's like, it's really cool to see these horror movies both being made and getting showcased that are completely different from what we've seen in terms of it's not just white people on screen and not the usual like one black character or one character that gets killed off in a completely different direction though boy soft and quiet i did not see this one but i have heard many a thing this movie uh i mean i put up on twitter i don't remember exactly what i said but i something to the effect of like i hated the experience of watching this movie and that is not i've heard that from several people that the experience of watching the movie is incredibly uncomfortable and and again that is not like a critique on the quality i think that writer director beth day arujo arujo i apologize i do not know how to pronounce the last name Arauho, sorry. Okay. Wrote and directed it. It is a single take, real time descent into horrible white people. Wait, wait, wait! It's single take. It's single take. It's played in real time. It does not let you look away from any of the shit that is happening. And this is a movie that starts out with this uh, white teacher. Uh, 90% of the cast is white for a reason, but it's following this teacher named Emily who is leaving school. She has a pie that she just baked for her little ladies group that she's meeting at the church. And it follows her on her walk to the church where she meets, uh, this, this group of the, the, the IMDB synopsis says, Organizes a mixer of like-minded women, which is a polite way of saying who these women are, because she puts this pie down onto the table that has like a, you know, um, a cloth over it, and she pulls back the cloth in excitement, and there's a Nazi symbol carved into the top of this pie. And Mm. these like-minded women... Delicious white supremacy. Yes. These like-minded women are a bunch of far-right neo-Nazis who are coming together to talk about the, the, the problem with race. And they are absolutely horrible women who... Uh, the thing the movie does is it kind of takes archetypes of these women. So, like, there's one who's like, I don't even know why I'm here. I and, But I just... You know, I was just passed over for promotion by this Colombian woman and I was there longer and they gave her the promotion. So you have that all the way up to a woman who was in jail and found skinheads all the way up to a woman whose family is a legacy member of the KKK all the way up to these variety of women who, for some reason or another, cannot stand that someone who is not white is succeeding. And the first I would say 30 minutes of this is each one of is kind of like almost an interview with them where like they're saying why they're here, explaining how horrible anyone that's not white is. And we are stuck with them for the entire movie. And as they leave the church, they kind of get thrown out of the church once the, 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 the pastor that allowed them to stay there realizes what they're doing here. Kicks them out and is like, you just got to go. Uh, they go to... Um, one of the one of the women owns a shop. They go to the shop to get wine, to have like a little wine date. And they find someone and all of a sudden this movie turns into sort of like 
in a way, like not a completely, but like the thing that kept pointing into my mind is like home invasion, like the strangers, if we were actually following the strangers as opposed to the couple inside the house. And it is the most, I felt ill through watching this, like 20 minutes in, I literally wanted to jump out of my skin and turn off the movie. I was so distraught over what I was seeing. This movie is very confronting and because it focuses completely on this group of white women, it's like, oh, it's so, it's so frustrating to watch. And I hated watching it. I do want to watch it. I hate that I, I hate that I want, I hate that I want to watch it, but I'm, I'm just curious because I feel like that sounds like it should be uncomfortable and I'm glad mm. it is because I, you know, we talk about white feminism so much and how white women really are like very integral in upholding systems of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, people want to be like, it's all men. I'm like, no, white women are just as bad. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I have witnessed it firsthand. Like white women are evil. <laughs> yeah. Speaking about my people, <laughs> but like white women are evil. And so I'm, glad that it does that i I mean it's fucking sucks that it has to be that way but i'm also glad that someone tackled it because good lord and like i know that movie karen that was like trying to make fun of that shit was like bad and it sounds like this one is very much more head-on facing that which is great and also terrible yeah like i i i can't i did not like this movie but i like this movie if that makes sense Oh, yes. Oh, 100%. You hated watching it, but, like, you appreciate it for what it is and, like, Mm -hmm. what it's tackling and what it's accomplishing. I think what I appreciated the most is that because it is based, it, it, the women in the beginning are presented as archetypes, it's sort of like, I feel like it's sort of exploring that this idea of what alt-right or Aryan or neo-Nazi or whatever you want to call it, ideal isn't just, like, a person of the KKK isn't just like some kind of, you know, mustache twirling villain that these are that, that there are definitely different people that have come together over their hatred of people who are not white, who are not straight. Cause it's at some points like she, the, the main character browbeats her husband saying, you don't want me to look at you, look at you like you're a faggot. Do you like the, the idea behind this movie, the isms behind this movie are just like, these people feel superior to everything that is not straight and white and seeing sort of like the way that it plays out and how easy it would be to like find someone that is maybe just a little bit more right than you or like a little bit more of a in your face than you and how that can kind of like spiral into something that is absolutely heinous of what happens in this movie is like, there's like a vindic truth behind it and it made me really uncomfortable and I hated it. <laughs> but it was good. If that makes sense. I don't even know if any of that made sense, but I just I had a very visceral no, reaction does, to though. this movie. It does though. It makes a lot of sense. Like it's great, but you never want to experience it again and like no. the viewing experience. Like I've plenty of movies I've watched do that where you're just like uh, you have a podcast that was that's all about that. <laughs> I do. Um yeah, it's like, that was an incredible movie. I will never put it in my eyeballs ever again. I never want to watch this movie again. Are you glad you watched it? Jerry still out? I think so. Like, okay. I, I think my... my... <laughs> it's hard to say. I know it's hard to, like, say glad, but you know what I mean. Like, sometimes when you experience that movie, you're like, I'm happy that I could experience it and, like, know about it. 
and then never think about it again. <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's it's rough. I don't I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that because like part of that is like I mean white privilege of me saying I never want to experience this movie, you know, because I for for people that aren't white you probably experience the kind of stuff that happens in this on a constant basis because it doesn't it leads to truly heinous things but like even stuff when it's just like hasn't reached that dark end it's still some pretty fucked up shit and i'm just so i i feel like me saying yeah, i never want to watch it again is is almost like me saying i want to stick my head in the ground and and not acknowledge that this doesn't exist but this movie i don't know just made me really really sick to my stomach so it's effective Cool. It's very effective. I guess for the last movie we want to talk about, speaking of effective, Hypochondriac. Yeah. Which I just finished watching literal minutes before recording. Um, and it Oof. punched me in the face like six times. Yeah. This is a movie where uh, I like texted Mary Beth. I texted her, you, her listeners, <laughs> whoever I'm talking to. <laughs> Who is <I> she? <laughs> <laughs> I texted last night and was like, uh, boy, this movie is heavy. And uh, I listed some trigger warnings because I, I definitely think this is a movie that you don't want to go into if you're not in the right headspace. Because there is discussions of suicidal ideation, of schizophrenia, of a lot of troubling uh, mental illness stuff that happens in this movie. But I think is ultimately very authentic in that regard. Yeah, I agree. So do you, to, why don't you tell the listeners what it's about since you just watched it? So the movie follows Will, who is like a super kind of happy-go-lucky guy who works in a pottery studio. And the film opens up with him as a child with, and his mother attempting to kill him. So you kind of start off with this context already that like this man has been through the shit. And now at the beginning of the film, he's dancing to, to, to Jesse J and like he's upbeat and it kind of seems like, okay, like he's kind of gotten past his trauma. Um, and then when his mom comes back into his life after about 10 years, he starts to unravel and starts you know, having physical symptoms as well as mental symptoms. He, he hurts his hand at work and he starts experiencing like his hand starts locking up. He's having brain fog. He's dizzy. And he's also going to have hallucinations of a man in a wolf suit. Um, and it kind of just spirals down from there as he's kind of coming to grips with the fact that perhaps he inherited his mom's mental illness. And it's fucking with him because he doesn't want to be like his mom and this was like a really i'm gonna get him i might cry a little bit sorry y'all because i did not watch this movie in a good headspace because i found out some shit about my mentally ill dad today in terms of him harassing my mother and they are divorced and have been for over two decades um and he i don't i haven't spoken to my father in a couple of years to do similar things N not nearly as extreme as what's happening in this movie but due to a lot of his abusive tendencies that i think stem from some mood disorder problems that are not addressed um and he's harassing my mom um and they're starting to harass me more and so this movie hit because you know she's calling him and leaving voicemails and emails and like i've been through that and my dad I 
think is the reason why I'm bipolar. And I also am working on getting an ADHD diagnosis and he has ADHD. And so this movie really hit a lot of points for me. Again, my situation is not nearly as extreme, but hit this whole thing of like, I'm broken and like, no one can love me because of like this trauma. And it hits that in like a really effective way. That's really hard to watch. Sorry. Holy shit. Um, for me and like it's going to be really hard to watch if you have any kind of parental trauma like that like it's rough but it really gets it right which is hard to see but I'm really happy to see and also it's queer which is amazing there's um ass eating in it which is great it sure is um and a lot of depictions of like having a partner and like not knowing what to do with your partner when you find out you're ill and like being really scared that you'll hurt them and push them away and oh god <laughs> sorry it's a heavy movie it's re- it's real it's very real and i have suicidal ideation it's like part of one of my mental illness stuff so i was just like this is really well done but jesus fucking christ like it it's a lot yeah but it got me to cry so good for, <laughs> good for that movie <laughs> Two things that um, jumped out at me when I was watching it. The first one is the uh, the idea that people. I mean, the movie is called Hypochondriac, and the and it's never really like I don't think spoken out loud. But like he once he starts to have these physical manifestations, he starts to go to the doctors, and the doctors change faces, but they keep saying the same thing of like, "Well, you're there's nothing wrong with you." And then they say the thing um, about how, like, well, you know, sometimes the brain can make you think things that aren't really there. But, like, it, it the person changes, but the words are still the same. And it's uh, it was really hard to watch this guy who is obviously dealing with something is happening to him. He, at, at early parts, you don't quite know what is going on. But something is physically happening to him, and no one is believing him. And so there's that kind of aspect of, like, what is wrong with me? No one can tell me what is wrong with me in order to fix the problem. And so that really affected me. And then the thing that I really loved about this movie is the, the ending and I'm not going to spoil it, but I will say that this movie does something that I don't think I've seen in a horror movie depicting, um, mental illness. And I think the ending is what really made this movie something special for me. I agree. I think without spoiling, I think it puts, an important perspective that we don't usually see in terms of like what happened, like the, the end game with mental illness. And I really like that. Cause it is, it's, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it, but yeah. Another really good, important movie out of South by that obviously kicked my whole fucking ass. It's a lot. And like, it's nonstop. So it's like, once it starts going, it, it's really hard. I think it's a little, it can be a little much at times just because it's like very intense. And I think it's kind of, that's why it's authentic. And like, I'm not saying that he should have like toned it down for audiences. Cause that's not the point. It's just, it's really, I come to a point where you're like, Jesus Christ, like this is like having a mental breakdown. I'm like, it's hard to endure. Well, and I think what, what also struck out to me is before the movie begins, it says based on a real life breakdown. And so exactly, I feel like, yeah, Without knowing, I feel like this is a very personal film, and I think you can kind of see that, particularly as it as it crests into the the end of the film. 
um, that this, this movie comes from someone who probably struggles with similar thoughts as the character in the movie. I don't know that for sure. I don't know. I haven't been able to like do much research, but the fact that that's how the movie begins, I feel like this is coming from a very personal place. It's a lot. (laughs) It was a lot to watch, but it was very ultimately very good. I thought. Yeah, I agree. Just dog. I don't know if you heard my my parents' dog barking. (laughs) So, were there Um, any others you wanted to quickly uh, mention? Uh, I, I mean, we don't have to really dig into into anything deep, but. No, I think the only one other one that we didn't mention, Jessica, which is a weirdly labeled horror comedy. It's not a comedy about stalking and trauma. And I was like, yo, this isn't fucking funny at all. It's real good, but it's not funny. Um, I think that's the only other one we I haven't mentioned. I've watched six movies, and I think we talked about all of them. Yeah, I, I'm the same way yes. with Jessica. I thought it was, I thought it was it was decent. I did not think it was funny. <laughs> I think there's a little bit of some quirky deadpan humor to some of the dialogue exchanges, but I would not classify this as a, I think what people struggle, like what I struggle with, or like, I think not me really. I think there's like a, a desire to label things horror comedy when they're horror movies with some comedic elements that aren't meant to be a comedy. If that makes sense. I think horror comedy is like a good marketing word right now. And you put that on there but this was more a movie with like some comedic aspects, but it was not a horror comedy. And I think that's, it doesn't, it doesn't do the movie justice. And also kind of like threw me off as a person who has been a, had a stalker. It was just like, this isn't funny at all. So that was like my biggest problem with it. But besides that, I think it's really well done. Look at like the uh, trauma haunting you quite mm-hmm. literally. Quite <laughs> so. literally. Yeah, so yeah, that is that's the best list. A lot of good stuff this year. A lot of good stuff this year, but we're back to our regularly regularly scheduled folk horror programming next week. So Terry, what are we watching? So if you haven't listened to our episode with um, filmmaker Maddie Doe, which uh, by the way, as Mary Beth has said on Twitter, is probably our best episode. I think it was my favorite episode. It's very heavy and very real. Great different yeah than what we usually do but, but um if you haven't listened to that go listen to it but she recommended um because she she was involved in the the full core documentary that's on shutter um she recommended belief the possession of janet moses which i believe is a new zealander a new zealand uh full core movie so we're going yeah. to watch that next week um yes i'm looking forward to it me uh, too but who are we talking to on monday that <laughs> On Monday, we are chatting with Robbie Banfitch, who is the writer and director of the found footage film The Outwaters, which is playing this weekend as of the release of this podcast at the Unnamed Footage Festival, which I will also be at this weekend. I am going on an airplane for the first time in over two years. Um, But with Robbie, we are kind of talking about the changeling. It's a chaotic episode. It's really funny. Um, it's wild. So get ready for that on Monday. This is probably our most chaotic episode we've had. Uh, I mean, if you want to hear about my girlfriend who tried to save me, if you want to hear about, um, Robbie's grinder hookups, uh, like it's a lot, 
But we really just kind of unpack a lot of shit. We kind of un- uh, uh, ended up unpacking some weird relationship trauma for Terry, which is really bizarre. <laughs> that was so weird. That was Things really I hadn't weird. thought about in like years all of a sudden started just kept flooding back to me. It was like, oh god. All these things that I thought had been packed neatly into a little box somewhere in my head. It's just like... And like just Wah! shoved in the back. <laughs> because of the yeah. changeling. Oh, man. Because yeah. of the changeling. Thanks, movies. But yeah, the changeling <laughs> is playing also, by the way, on Shudder. And if you have not seen it, it is a classic ghost story and it's one of so the best. Good. It is. So. It is one of the best. But listeners, you've heard from us. We can't really hear from you yet because a lot of these movies haven't come out yet. But um, which are you the most excited for? Because I know there's been a lot of really cool news about who's acquiring a lot of these movies. So let us know Mm -hmm. which films you are most excited for. Or if you have suggestions for more folk horror we should cover, uh, send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com. Or you can uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And, of course, follow the podcast on Twitter at Scarred Podcast. And speaking of all the found footage stuff we've been talking about, if you want a recommendation, or even if you don't, make sure that you are giving us a review on iTunes and giving us that rating and subscribing and doing all of that stuff that YouTubers say, speaking of influencers, because I hate to say it, but it really does help us out. It does. And I'm going to a found footage festival this weekend, so I'll have even more recommendations. So get on it. Um, But thank you, Derek Carr, for artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs>